the Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. My name is Justin Pennick, alongside my co-host Bobby Skinner. And joining us today is one of my best friends in the world, Nikki Snacks. We are having our yearly Bleeding Blue episode where we go back on Talking Giants and talk some Giants history. Snacks, I'll start it off with you. How are you, my friend? Tired. Tired. Don't blame yeah, you. Really tired. But you know what? It's great to be here. This is probably my favorite episode of the year. Uh, it's always a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it, especially when, um, you know, we can kind of incorporate some uh, some present-day stuff later on, and then Bobby gets to talk about some history. So it's kind of a mixture of both worlds that you're a part of, Justin. So yeah, um, it's always a lot of fun. Great to be here. Um Hate Tim Coffee, but other than that, everything is everything is great. Man, you've been on a huge Hate Tim Coffee fest lately. I lo- I love getting Bobby in this kind of mode that you and I are usually on for, you know, more than what twenty to twenty five, uh, we- you know, weeks a year because that you know I think we had twenty eight bleeding blue episodes last year. Uh, we're we're getting up to over twenty this off season, so. Um, I love getting Bobby Skinner in this kind of mode that we're usually in and seeing what he comes up with. Bobby, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I have I took over a full page of notes on the 2011's America's game. I had to like start scribbling like sideways up the page on <laughs> on notes I had. Um, so I like bringing that to Giants history because it's like you you know you remember like some little nuggets um, from that. So and it's uh. It's fun to it's fun to go and relive some takes that you, we would have had on Talking Giants back then, and kind of like you know this would be my strong take back then, and and relive revisit some of those things. So always good to bleed some blue. Hmm. Love that. Like wow, that was very good. He, he, that. Had that up, he had that up his sleeve. Great radio. You were how yeah. how long were you how long were you planning on using that? So let's please. I literally just thought of that on the spot. <laughs> wow, good for you. Well, Bobby, I mean, I, I have a I have a page of notes too. Snacks. Uh, Snacks knows these America's games like the back of his hands because Snacks, how many times have you seen each of the America's games that the that's on the Giants? I can't even begin to tell you a number. That's yeah. how many times. Two thousand two thousand seven is what? It's the greatest cinematic piece of art ever created. So we're talking about that on this Monday for Correct. Bleeding Blue. So Correct. today's two thousand eleven. Bob. And 11, 11 is probably the third greatest. Yes. So. NFL Films, honestly, is really on. Like, everything they do is really well. Like, A Football Net Life, messages. those are amazing. You know, and even one is like this get random cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals that I, you know, like, I don't want to watch this. I watch it, and I'm, like, enthralled with it. Like, they do a good job with every little thing they do. Um, you know, and this was this was pretty damn good, too. I watched both 2007 and 2011 today. I watched 2011 first because I knew that's what we were recording first day. I nearly cried. I nearly cried. And I'm not just saying that as, oh, this Giants fan, just to say it. I was sitting on my couch and I, I nearly I nearly cried because the just the way that they're the way that they're able to demonstrate in the 42 minute video, the way that they're able to demonstrate the highs being the ultimate highs and then the lows being the ultimate lows. That is what I think makes America's game so great. Yeah. And, and like, like Bobby said with the NFL films and how well they do, it's just, it's truly impeccable how they tell a full story. Uh, You know, a story starts out one way 
usually bad, then it just always ends up good. And obviously with these Super Bowl champions, that's mostly how it goes unless you're, you know, just run through the regular season, which the Giants never did. But um, it really, uh, what makes me sad about it always is the fact that we did win the Super Bowl and the current state of affairs is far off from another America's game. I think that's what makes me saddest most. <laughs> so, um, but it really, they, they really do an unbelievable job. And 11, I like in 07, they had three guys. They had Strahan, Eli, and, and Coach Coughlin. And I really loved how they incorporated a fourth voice in this one. So, um, and each, each person has their, uh, you know, Coach Coughlin maybe probably takes a step back in this um edition of America's game and yeah. Super Bowl 46. But Cruz, uh, Tuck, and Eli all have very big storylines that go on throughout the year and that were like transformative in, in a, you know, a turbulent year that ended up in triumph. So um, again, brilliant job. Yeah. And I like including that, 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 um that fourth person. That's a really good point by you because we watched the 86 America's game, 86, 87, you know, the Super Bowl 21 team. And there was part of us that I think we said snacks that there was part of the story that we felt like was missing where the, the majority of the America's game, it just felt like Bill Parcells and Phil Simpson exploring right. that dynamic. But yeah, hearing this 2011 version, uh, probably I think Victor Cruz was the fourth. If you had to say there was somebody who was added on, it was Victor Cruz. And I think we need to talk a little bit more about his season and the kind of season he had. We all knew that Victor Cruz was <clears throat> really good in that uh, that year. But when you actually go look at Batic, it wasn't just very good. Like, it was an amazing season for a guy who, again, was a nobody. You know, he was, you know, an undrafted free agent, preseason guy. Um, you know, Darrell Rivas even took that shot at him um, in it, you know, that going up into that Jets game. And you think about it, losing Steve Smith to the Eagles, they wish they mentioned, was a blessing in disguise. Like, that was a blessing in disguise to lose Steve Smith. You know, at the time, no one would have thought that. You know, and then Dominique Hickson gets injured. Uh, he, the, so he, there's 14 games he started. He had 109 yards per game. Yeah, crazy. In those 14 games, that's better than any average Odell Beckham Jr. put up. Like that, 109 yards per game. And he had two catches, only two career catches before that Eagles game, before his like breakout breakout performance. And and Bobby mentioned you know the yards per game, but just look at the yards per reception, over 18 yards per reception and just I think a little bit north of 80 catches that is absolutely like it's insane I actually you, know, you take a look back at the pro football reference page and it's like oh shit <laughs> it's yeah. way better than you kind of remember it's not his ascendant ascendant I don't know if that's a right word ascendance ascendance yeah that's definitely it his ascendance to that Jets preseason game that was two years before because people forget that there was a season in between to what he finished off the 2011 season at and what he did after that is just, it, it's mind blowing to me. And people, you got to go back in that season. I think, was it, was it week one or two? And this is where I should have had notes in front of me that he dropped an easy first down. On, it was week one. It was week one, an easy first down catch on third down. And, um, you know, he went to the doghouse. So if Hickson, if Dominic Hickson doesn't get hurt, we all know how much Coughlin and that staff love Dominic Hickson. Does Victor really get his shot in week three against Philly and explode? No, def it's, definitely not. It's you just, know? it's like a, it's a Cinderella fairy tale story that 
that he made the most of his opportunity. And sure enough, look at him. Eli went on that Cam Newton podcast about a month ago. And, you know, they, he asked, they asked him like, Hey, what's your, like your game winning drive? Who's your, who's your, you know, who's the guys you have out there, you know? Um, and so and the wide receivers were Plax, Odell, and Victor Cruz, running backs. He, he brought Tiki and then tight ends. He said Kevin Boss, uh, which everyone pointed to that. But I think we all we don't need to revisit that. Eli was more comfortable when he wasn't having to worry about Jeremy Shockey bitching and moaning about <laughs> not getting the ball. Uh, as much as I love Shockey. Uh, if you ask him just one wide receiver, I truly do believe Eli picks Victor Cruz over Plax Burris. And, and Odell Beckham Jr. One, that 109 yards per game is better than any season those other guys had. Odell's was very close his rookie year as far as yards per game. Um, those, but Eli, when he talks about him and, you know, Victor Cruz talks about it and they've actually shown it on some quote tweets of Big Blue VCR, Eli had more, it seemed like he had more trust in Victor Cruz than any wide receiver ever played with. Like, you know, in that Kelvin Gilbride offense, which has all the choice routes, you know, all, you know, like you have to be on the same page. Eli just always had that trust for Cruz. So it wasn't just like, hey, he can, you know, he, you have that trust to move it, but hey, it led to big plays too, you know, like Victor Cruz had all the big plays, you know, 99 yards versus the Jets, you know, splitting, you know, splitting, uh, you know, two, two deep safeties and, and plays like that. Like, I really do think if he, if you like Eli, which wide receiver you have one, one game, which wide receiver are you picking? I think it's Victor Cruz because I think he trusted him, trusted him more than he did any other wide receiver. And I am in full agreement with that because, like you were saying, in, in that offense, Gilbride, the, in the option routes and all those things that, that, that come about that they were always on the same page. There was never a time where they weren't. And with Plexico, yeah, he'd go deep. You just throw it up. He'd catch it. Okay. That's amazing. And Plexico was amazing for that, but that's not really a chemistry type thing. Odell, you'd run a five yard slant and he'd take it to the house. Again, it was a total really, different offense with just, Odell too. Correct. Yes, it was. But the chemistry that, that Cruz and, and Eli had to me was just unparalleled to those two guys. So I, I couldn't agree more that if you you said Eli gun to your head you get one wide receiver that you're taking a war with he's taking Victor over any wide receiver that he's played with yeah and Odell's the best of the three I'm not without, arguing yeah, that Cruz is better than, yeah. Uh, yeah. but like I think I really think Eli would pick like Victor Cruz because there was just such a trust factor there and that's gonna that's huge and what that you know that Super Bowl two-time champion Super Bowl offense that Kelvin Gilbert had I also can't get over this will be the last thing on Cruz but I I, I just can't get over a slot wide receiver having 18 yards per reception I, I can't I can't I can't get over well, that. Any wide receiver with volume having 18 yards per catch is insane. Yeah, like to have that type of volume and 18 yards per catch is insane. And you know, you talk about the regular season numbers. Let's not forget the playoffs. He had a touchdown in the Super Bowl versus San Fran. He had 10 catches for 142 yep. yards. Eight catches I, in the first half. Carlos Rogers was talking shit, or at least he did yep. the he did the salsa over him during the regular season after he had an interception on him. Yeah, yeah, like his, and I think he might have had 100. Or close to 100 yards in the Green Bay game, and then the the Falcons game was the game where he only had like 60 or so. But Hakeem Nix went off in that game, and it was also a blowout. Yeah, it was a blowout. Manningham had a good game, and you know those two guys too should should always. I'm sure we'll mention Manningham a little bit later, but I don't know about about Hakeem Nix, who we should probably just give our props to because that was some uh, some playoff run for him as well. Yeah, and um, just an overall great player that I wish stayed healthy. So I just want to throw that out there. So let's stick with the speakers. Um, yeah. you know, we talked about Victor Cruz, his, you know, some amazing stats and statistical season. Bobby, you have some splits on Justin Tuck. And 
I really, really liked Justin Tuck's story um, throughout this season because it was a lot of adversity on the football field and off the football field. 2011 was one of those first seasons where Justin Tuck really missed time due to injury. Um, and off the field, I believe it was his grandfather and then two uncles like passed away all within a short period of time with each other. So yeah. um, it was a conversation that Tom Coffin and him kind of had a heart to heart. It's funny how Tuck presents it as this conversation where Tom Coffin is saying, get your head out of your ass. Tom Coughlin is saying, I just wanted to check in on him as a person. So mm. the, the dynamic when they, they go back and forth on the interview. Yeah. That's yeah. the kind of the, the beauty of Tom Coughlin. And it's always what, and it's part of why I, I like Joe Judge. It was like, I like a coach who can deal with people on a human level, but also is a hard ass. Like to have like a guy who's going through a hard time, a lot of coaches be like, man, we're here for you. We got you. And then, then there's a the hard ass coaches who don't give a damn. They're going to cuss you out and, and they don't care. I don't care about, you know, uh, you know, your, you know, your dead grandma or whatever. Um, where Coughlin was like, Hey, I talked to him, man, the man heart to heart about stuff, but it's also like, you suck right now. Like to, to have that mix in there. And that's why, you know, I think Coughlin was able to, you know, to, you know, succeed with his coaching style. But yeah, I mean, Tuck did suck. Those first nine games of the year, he had three sacks, four tackles for loss, nine QB hits. Like that's he was non-existent. I mean, it was for it was a Justin just Tuck player that we knew, you know, well, he was non-existent. Yeah, and then when you include the playoffs, you know, after they had that conversation, the last seven games, you had five and a half sacks, five tackles for a loss, nine QB hits. So like had better numbers and and two less games. Um, you know, which, you know, you put that on like a 16 game pace and like that's a, a you know, a, a pro bowl, possibly all pro year as a defensive end. So, yeah, I mean, Tuck was always like kind of the outspoken vocal leader on that team. So I'm sure on that defense that definitely sucked in the regular season and got better in the playoffs, like Tuck was a huge part of that, obviously, in the Super Bowl. And so when your vocal leader is playing up to that, you know, his talk, that obviously helps the whole team. Yeah, and uh, I always go back to to that speech pregame in the Super Bowl, which I I love so much. And um, but if boss, you ain't got a ring. You don't know what feel like. And you could just tell, like right then and there. And you know, you can't. Everybody's like bopping around, bopping their heads, and everything. But they were they were so into it, and they were locked in because they knew their emotional leader was ready for that game. He had been there before. They're gonna follow his lead, and they're gonna play the way they had been playing in the playoffs in the last few weeks of the season. And that was, I don't want to say dominant defense, but it was damn good defense. And Justin Tuck, the the vocal leader like that, being the mainstay of a guy who turned it around after nine games. And as you know, Coach Coughlin or whoever said, took his head out of his ass and put everything in the back burner and just went out and played how Justin Tuck knows how to play. So I, I always look at that speech and it, it always – it always gives me goosebumps as it does right now. And um, just something that every defense, every, every team needs really uh, to me. And, and Tuck was, was perfect with it. Well, it's interesting to see how it transformed from 07, where it's Strahan and OC are the guys. Right. And Tuck is like, Hey, don't forget about the third guy that's playing well to where yeah. now Tuck is the main guy. Um, you know, JPP had a better uh, season than him, but it was like Tuck is Tuck is the leader of that room, you know? And, and OC sure. was, OC was still there. So, but it was, it was Tuck's room. Yeah. He had the pulse of it always. Motivational factors before we get to Eli, because now we're talking about how Tuck motivates leader in the room. So like, I guess, I guess this, I guess this can be a Coughlin. This can be a little Coughlin segment. 
the message and the mantra of finish, mm-hmm. the video of the of the girl running track is something that usually does get to me. I mean, just just seeing seeing that video, especially in America's game, where there's probably some sort of either there's music playing behind it or there's no music playing behind it, and then it sticks out more. Um, and then uh, having it actually resemble with football players and hearing their explanation of it, it's like, oh, you know, this this girl's not getting paid, and you know, just the, just the simple message of finishing the task at hand, finishing the race, um, very Rocky Balboa esque, but. Uh, that always does stick out to me as like being one of the first signs of that team being catapulted forward. Yeah. Well, and um, they talked about it with like, you know, at, you know, they start out, you know, they do the 07 highlights from the Super Bowl. And then they're like, but it wasn't, it, there was a kind of like a downfall after that where, you know, 2008, they start 11 and one plaque shooting. Then they lose four out of their five, including the playoff loss to the Eagles. 2009, they started out five and oh, like they started out five and oh in 2009. Well, they lost four in a row, ended up eight and eight. You know, they start so they finished the season three and eight. Um, and then in 2010, they started six and two. They had the Eagles loss in that year, finished 10 and six, but still missed the playoffs. Um, which is crazy to think that they missed the playoffs at 10 and six. But if they just beat that Eagles team, they have a bye week that, that saw, for the playoffs yeah. that year. Yeah. Like they would have, they had the tiebreaker over the Bears. Like if they would have not choked that game versus the Eagles, they would have had the bye. They would have been the number two seed after I the Falcons. I never thought of that. I didn't mm-hmm. need to hear that. That that 07 to like 11 stretch was, I mean, a lot of good football and a lot of disappointing football all mixed into one. Well, like, and think about it. They won the Super Bowl the next year with the exact same roster. It, yeah. Like if yeah. they don't choke that Eagles game away, it's not crazy to think that they make another run at it. Yeah. And it's funny that, you know, Dave Tollefson, I, I go back to this, to this uh, quote that he says somewhat often in my head as a Giants fan. Because we typically think, even with those two Super Bowl runs that we had, we typically think the Giants, even in the middle of that, have been have been kind of miserable. Like a snack said, there's been miserable moments. But that run that they had between, and it goes back to 05, that run to 05 to, you know, 2011, 2012, that was a pretty solid run of, you know, not winning like, they never Indi- had a losing record. Not winning like Indianapolis Colts and renewing the Patriots records year after year, but they did not have that losing season, and they it was competitive football every single year. So Tollefson, when he said that back in what Bobby twenty twenty, you know, I, I go back to that saying that you know that stretch of time that we had, um, I, I look back on a lot more fondly, even the years that we didn't win the Super Bowl, than. You know, most do, I feel. Well, it was great because they were playing meaningful football to the last week of every single season for a yeah. seven-year run. The last decade, our season's been over by, like, mid-October. Yeah. So, it's just like, I yes, while we started off 5-0 and and we finished 8-8 um, eight and eight, or we start 6-2 and two or 6-4, and four, whatever the case, we finished 10-10. They were still playing a meaningful game in week 17 every single year for about a seven-year run. Um, so then when you fast forward to what we've had to endure the last 10 years or so, be, the season being over when it is, it's something that you have to look back on and appreciate. Yeah. And they even had a really good start to the 2011 season as well. They seem to falter. Yep. Fire Coughlin starts again. Um, and this quote that Tom Coughlin had in America's game uh, really got me. The idea of everyone telling you you can't do something. I like that. Mm hmm. I like that. And what this was, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I don't have it on my notes. I'm almost, I'm pretty sure it was this America's game 
and this Super Bowl where he said he was man enough to stand up there and say, I love you guys. Yes, that's that's yeah. he even my... had a hard time spitting that out. Too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I am man enough to tell you guys that I love you. Um, yeah. And he, he didn't do that for that 07 team. He did not. No. Also, that, something I, that I didn't get my first time going through this. They had players only film sessions, you know, and we talk, and that's something we've talked about with the current Giants where it's like, who are the dogs? Who are the leaders who, you know, like a command respect when they walk in the room? Like, that's kind of huge. And, you know, Tuck, like, even mentioned, like, himself, like, a younger player was like, hey, you know, I was screwed up in this play because you jumped into the wrong gap trying to make a play. You know, so I'm like, that was like kind of something that stuck in my head where if I was a football coach watching that, I'd be like, maybe that's something I could use in the, in the future. Why don't you think more teams do that or like uh, that that was my that was my thing that seems to be like a perfect like accountability measure now i think you need to have the veterans in the room that can kind of control that and kind of kind of facilitate that but why don't you think that's kind of done more often or at least we don't hear about it coaches have two bigger egos and i just don't know if they think of it honestly you know <laughs> it's not. like I've, I've never thought of something like that before um you know like i'm going into this um, this is off topic, but it's like I'm going into this Giants training camp and I'm like, what are some things that Brian Dable does that are a little off the beaten path? By the way, one thing I'm look, I'm hoping they do in training camp is they count sacks in camp. They don't just let the QB throw the ball and, and pretend that he wasn't sacked in, in training camp practice. But anyways. That is um, something that Judge did. No, Judge didn't. He let them just throw it. Oh, and then I thought when they, they played, did count. When they went to Brown's training camp, they counted this. They didn't let them throw the ball. Oh, which okay. I actually like that. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, the okay. other thing I wanted to mention was snacks. Can you read your ad? Mm. Sure, I would love to. All right. So the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer, with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. And if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action of baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Now, think about it. You could bet on the British Open that's coming up. You could take a long shot. You could take Tiger Woods. You could take Rory McIlroy. The British Open returns next week, and you can bet on it. You could bet on who is going to birdie on what hole, over-unders and strokes, who wins their round, everything. Jordan Spieth. No, not Jordan Spieth. We hate Jordan Spieth. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. That's J-O-M-B-O-Y. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code JOHNBOY. J-O-M-B-O-Y. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It was great. Great job. Thank you. I, th- I actually thought so, too. I hope all the golfers go to live, not because <laughs> I just want to see the PGA destroyed. I, I don't want to see the PGA destroyed, but um, I'm not as much of a hater on the live as as everybody else seems to be. I think it's I think it's cool. And what would be really cool if they turn this into like WWF versus WCW 
Monday Night Wars and it's it's Live versus PGA. That would be sick. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Too stuck up to think of anything like that. Yeah, I know. Let's move to Eli, and I think we'll. I feel you like we should almost just wrap up on on Eli, because um, I feel like we just hit all the speakers. And if there's any of the moments you want to talk about, but here's what I have with Eli. NFL record has to still be an NFL record, I think. 15 touchdowns in the fourth quarter for Eli Manning in 2011. He was unreal. He was very good. Six fourth quarter comebacks when you include the, uh, you know the Super Bowl in that season. I mean, he. I mean, you know, obviously they play the clip from Michael K when he says he's elite, and you know, not just like a quick like you know, and Eli wasn't out there, you know, talking great about himself all the time in the media. We know that, um, but saying he's elite, and then he backed it up. I mean, he he's did. like he was the second best player in the NFL that year to Aaron Rodgers. Like, it, like he was these like you know, if Aaron Rodgers you know tore his ACL in camp, Eli Manning should have been the MVP that year. Two, two, three. Actually, I want three quick things. One, Justin Russell Wilson broke the record. He now has 16 fourth. Oh, shame! Yeah, Thank I you know. for looking that up, though. Yes, you're welcome. Um, two, you take Eli Manning off that that Giants team, they may win three games, maybe. Yeah, the team. I mean, the rush, the running game was horrible. And this is yep the def the defense carried him. Okay, well, he had like the 30th ranked defense. He had the yeah. 32nd ranked rushing game. Nobody. If they take Eli off that team, they may win. They may luck into three wins. Yeah, How he didn't get more MVP consideration is ridiculous. Yes, I get it. Rodgers deserved it 15-1, whatever. But my Lord, Eli was unbelievable that year. Yeah, anyone who says that Eli was carried is just ignorant. And they're just – they're just – they're just repeating. They're parroting some something their dumbass uncle said. Exactly. I actually went fishing the other day, and I was talking to a guy about my job. And he's like, "Eli Man's not a quarterback." I was like, "Like he's top ten and all." What are you talking about? He was like, "Well, he, he didn't do a Peyton." I was like, "Okay, well, congrats. He didn't do something." A guy that no one, you know, one guy matched in the league for twenty years. Yeah. Man, Anyways, it's, that it's, drunk it's, idiot at the freaking O'Galley Pier pissed me off. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad you told him, but not even so much. Oh, wow. I lost my train of thought because I was thinking about the drunk guy at the, at the pier. Mm, that's you. That, that's that's me. Yeah, that is you. I'm the, I'm the drunk guy at the pier. <laughs> we were at a pier last night. We were. But everybody everybody brings up the defense carry Eli again because they see what the defense did in the playoffs and how the defense was really good. But, but it wasn't all... some amazing defense no, 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 in the it, playoffs either. It was nothing either. like that. Like it was, and, they played what well, They played they played well, well enough, yes. It wasn't some amazing defensive Eli, playoff run. Eli played great in that playoffs too. So it's not like it's not like it was all defense. What he did in San Francisco, that NFC Championship game, might be the grittiest, gutsiest performance I've ever seen from a quarterback in my life. And that's not biased because I love Eli. Yeah, he had one of, the, one of if not, you know, the best like playoff runs for a quarterback. You know, he completed 65% of his passes over 300 yards per game. Uh, seven and a half yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, one interception. You know, we don't need to go back to 07 when he had a great playoff run too. Yeah. You know, only had one interception and it was bounced off Steve Smith's yeah. hands. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, was, it wasn't like, he, you know, again, like Eli had a great playoff run. Yeah, and even, well, in, the Green, even, in, the, even in the Green Bay fiasco in 2016, he was the only guy that showed up. Sorry, so I just want to say that that man – Knew how to play big. He did show games. up in that game. I don't care what anybody says. He no, really I, did. I was very, uh, I was very critical of Eli towards the latter part of his career. But that, that I mean, I, you know, I, a big blue VCR was doing his pain week, and you know, Eli yeah. was just putting some 
so balls on ropes. Yeah. Putting balls on ropes and Cruz, Shepard, and they all Odell, did, they were all they dropping them. It was crazy. You, you tell me that Dom, if Dominique Rogers' commodity doesn't get hurt in that game and the Giants oh, don't even drop yes. passes, they win that game. Uh, yes. I think so, too. They were not I mean, the they better scored, team, they, but they, 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 they go up games. 7-0 on the first drive, Um, you know, because Sterling, like, Odell actually takes some of the heat off that Sterling Shepard dropped a touchdown on the Brutal. first drive of that Brutal. game. Yep. Um, It's just, that's, that is why the boat picture is so infamous is because the wide receivers sucked. All, three, Tavares all King. three of them were terrible, yeah. Like, only Tavares King, like, showed up. <laughs> but for 2011, I mean, just overall, um, it really is a magical run, and I love the fact that, you know, kind of going back from the Super Bowl and the playoff run, that it's it didn't start, but they needed to beat the Jets and the Cowboys, and they kicked the shit out of both of them to get into the playoffs, and they kicked the shit out of sorry, I shouldn't be cursing. It's okay. So, and and they and then they okay, fine. And then they kicked the shit out of the Falcons in the playoff game. Like they were, they just went in so unbelievably hot. And to me, like there's a lot of unsung heroes. I know I, I would consider Manningham an unsung hero. Um, even though he had the amazing catch, he had the huge touchdown in San Fran. Michael Bowley was really good. Um, Kenny Phillips played great. Yeah. There was just a lot of guys that stepped up at the right time. And um, whenever Dave Thompson was an unsung hero. Like these yeah. guys were really just – they clicked all at the right time. And when, when that happens, you see it in football, momentum to me is everything. It's like so similar to 07. Like right. you have an undefeated Packers team when you know went 15-1 and on the season – and went out there, gunsling, lost thirty-eight to thirty-five, the exact same score they lost to the Patriots um, in two thousand seven when they went sixteen and zero. Um, so it's just like even like that, like that was a little bit of momentum for them. Like the Packers, yep. the the Packers, you know who the Packers lost to that year? The one team they lost to besides the Giants in the playoffs. It was like a a horrible Chiefs team. It might even been the year the Chiefs went, had the worst record in the league and drafted Eric Fisher. Huh. Uh, I'll go, but like that was their one. The one loss they had was just like a a trap game. Like that's how good that Packers team was that year. Went yeah. fifteen and one. Giants Giants played with them right to the end. I remember DJ Wars uh, DJ Ware's two point conversion at the end, and then Rodgers just went right down the field. But Justin, go ahead. What were you saying about? No, I want to I want to put a bow on it with this. Um, you mentioned Manningham. I did, and I want to talk about the throw, the, the throw, and the catch. Uh, one of my favorite parts of America's game is uh, Justin Tuck asks Eli Manning, like, how do you know where to put the ball? <laughs> Which is a great question. It is a great question. Like, how do you, how are you able to locate the ball? And then uh, Eli just said, uh, I don't. Um, I, I see the safety coming over, and I just got to trust my ability to throw the ball and put it where it has to be. So um, I, I thought that was just, it, it's wild to think of, how do you have the talent? How do you have, you know, what do, what do you have to do to pull off a throw like that? Such a tight window throw. Um, and that throw, t- that throw takes balls, too. I was just about to say, I, I, I think saying, that's what Eli, what what Eli should have said for was Eli. big balls. That's yeah. why Eli showed up in the biggest moments was his balls. Like, yep. that's why I always get so mad when they say that David Tyree play was lucky. I was like, you know what? Most quarterbacks pussy and throw that ball out of bounds. on, And they live, they live for fourth and five. They live for fourth, yep. Like, exactly. Like, part of that. And it's why Eli and Kelvin Gilbride work so together in the playoffs because you have an offense that's based on, like, defenses lock in so much more versus the playoffs. Defenses just play better in the playoffs because you're just, you're watching more film. You're more, it's every, you're not taking a single play off. 
Like defenses just they play better in the playoffs. It's just human nature. And so when that happens, one, you got to be able to adjust to what they're doing on the fly. And two, having the balls that, hey, this isn't going to look perfect. And it's why a guy like Peyton had issues in the playoffs a lot of mm-hmm. his career. It's because he was like, everything's got to be perfect. And a lot of times that stuff would break down. And that's why it took Peyton so long to have any success. I mean, I remember him getting beat like 42-0 by the Jets and shit. Oh, yeah. he uh, Eli definitely had that gene in him that his brother didn't. And... um. It was it was truly special to see. I know we talked about the K interview earlier, but it just cracks me up how like calm and confident he was. Are you an elite quarterback? Um, yeah, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> you, you think you're in the the Tom Brady class? Um, yeah, I do. I do think I'm in that class. And for how good he is at PR to <laughs> to not know to not know the the repercussion that would follow from that. Oh my gosh! Yep. But I, I'm glad that he did that. Like I, I'm one I'm 100 glad that he did that. To me, it makes that season of Eli his best year, which by far was his best year, that much more special. Yep. Because the whole you can't spell elite without Eli thing, everything. Like it just was it made everything so much more special for him. And uh I'm glad I'm glad he answered it the way he did, because he sure as hell backed it up. Yep. All right. Any other notes on America's game before I read another ad and then we talk about uh 2022 Giants? Let's see. I got Eli brutalized in the San Fran game. We talked about that. DJ Ware hitting oh, oh. Tom Coughlin, but him not going down. Tom, Tom how, did, how did he not get amputated? How did I tear something? Tears oh. ACL. I, toughness wins championships. It's what he used to say. Yeah. I like how he's like, you know, I didn't go down. Um, <laughs> yeah. He smiled. I was, I was gave like a wry smile to the camera. Yeah. Um. The last thing I had on on the Giants was, um, where do you stand on Ahmad Bradshaw scoring or not? Because honestly, as much as I, I know it sounds stupid and you got to trust your guys, the idea of just purposely kicking a field goal, no matter how easy it is, scares the living shit out of me. I've seen it happen to the Vikings. You know, you think about that Seahawks game. Um, I just, I was not. I maybe would have liked to wait one play and then try and pound it in or something. But even that, but like, I uh, you know, and it probably would have worked out either way. But I, where do you guys stand on that? Because a big part of me is like, just score the touchdown. But the also other part of me is like, Gronk could have gotten that hail mary. Like, yeah. like that gets <laughs> forgotten how close that was. Like that wasn't like a just look at it in slow mo. Like that was like in live reaction. You see Gronk. I'm like, oh my god, he's like. You know, it happens in a quarter of a second in real time, but it's like you you think about it. Yep, and uh, so I, I know what you're saying. Just make sure you get the points and anything can happen. That is literally would have been the shortest field goal that you could possibly have on an NFL football field. Um, I was – I hated it. In real time, I remember I remember hating it because I, I knew it. I was like, just burn that clock down. Let Lawrence Tynes kick the field goal. I trust Diasi. I trust Weatherford. I just watched them have a terrible snap. Weatherford held it. Tynes kicked it in San Fran like it was nothing. I was Sometimes like, those shortest field goals are the hardest, though. Now uh, at the time, at the man, time they did nerves have nerves at an all-time high. I, I get it. I get it. But I and you were down. You were I, down. Like I get it. I get it. I've watched Lawrence Tynes kick those before. I I would trust him to make it. And they still had extra goal. points. That is something that I remember too. It's like right now, like asking a kicker to kick like a a twenty yard field goal. That's, like, no, that's, that's no gimme. That's right. tough. That's no gimme. 
but there was a, there was still a lot of time left on on the clock for you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady with enough time to make something happen on a defense that yes has been awesome the last 6 7 weeks but also watch them get absolutely gashed within 50 seconds of time and still had Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski, had all those they, guys. they had all they still had these weapons was it Amendola Welker was 07 right um, not Amendola. No. Um, uh, was a it was Welker. branch. It was Welker. Oh well. Oh yeah. Welk is Welker. It was dropped Welker. It. Yeah. yeah. Can't. Yeah. Throw he it dropped. He it. dropped it up here. Yeah. But it's just. I. I, I would have. I would have loved if he just took that knee. And that's something Eli says because you could see Eli in the back with his arms up, like go down, go down, go down. I think part of him was celebrating too. I. I, I uh, honestly think he. He I, like had his I, arms well, up. He's so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Bobby, I know what you're saying, but with who the opponent was and how fast you know they could strike with a defense that may be tired. And you also got to remember the Patriots went on. I remember Brady had like 17 completions in a row when they went up 17, nine, they <laughs> controlled the whole clock for the better portion of that game. So um, I would have, I would have much rather taken my chances on a 23 yard field goal at Lawrence times and, and that snapper and that holder. But at the same time, I do get your point. Get the points while you can. You're losing. You may not get this opportunity, and God forbid it's a bad snap or, or a shank. Um, but literally the the shortest kick in, in, in the NFL at that time, they, I would have taken my chances. Also with the Welker drop, um, Chuck mentions like when that happened, he's like, oh, yeah, that's huge. Yeah, we're going to um, And we just on our best stuff show, Dave Tolson brought that up. He's like, when the when – Welker dropped that. Like the closest O lineman to, he's like, "You guys just fucked up. We're gonna win the game now." Yeah. Um. So that was pretty cool. And that, that's uh, a catch he probably makes nine times out of ten. It's not a tough catch because he's up like this, and it's pretty bad throw. But that's a guy that that caught everything. So yeah, yeah. everything just broke right for us. Last things I have, I was we watched it on YouTube, so we had the ticker from real time. A um, couple things I saw on there. Mike Kafka was working out for the Patriots, <laughs> the the Brian Dable led Patriots at the time. Thought that was pretty interesting. Um, guess who the top fantasy ad was that week? It was it was it was like the week before the 2012 uh, season. Who was it? Carolina running back, D'Angelo Williams. Mike Tolbert. Tolbert, that's right. Because ah. Jonathan Stewart had an injury that week. Former oh, shocker. Um, Mike Tolbert had 183 total yards that year on the ground. Seven yeah, touchdowns, he, though. Yeah. Tim, Tebow, Tim Tebow had his own ticker on there. thought that was pretty <laughs> interesting. That was the height of Tebow mania. Um, and then I, I remember, like, oh, yeah, Randy Moss is on the 49ers. And he even caught a touchdown his first week against the Packers. I forgot huh. about that. So. All right. I forgot um, Moss was on the, on the Niners, too. Holy smoke. I also like the in-memoriam thing at the end, even though it wasn't in-memoriam. It was like Victor Cruz went on to the Grammys. Uh <laughs> You know, uh, Eli Manning went on Saturday Night Live. You also remember Aaron Rodgers being a little bitch about that, like uh, because he went on Saturday Night Live. He's like, well, they asked me and I said no. It's like, well, then yeah, okay. what are you bringing it up for, weirdo? Yeah. Um, I hate him. So do sorry. I. Can't stand him. Can't stand him. Um, I don't hate him. Part of part of me doesn't hate him because everyone else hates him. Yeah, um, that's that's that is you. Um, it's exactly you, and that's the only reason. Yeah, there's I nothing just, to like about the guy. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Like he's I, like I don't like. If that. you look at, like he's the he's the best quarterback in the NFL right now. No, nah, I would take Mahomes. I would if you're asking me for 
career, I would take Mahomes. But the best quarterback in the NFL right now is Aaron Rodgers. I, I would. Li- I'm gonna like to see how he does without a, without that touchdown machine. And yeah, games. you know, Aaron Rodgers has never been able to. Oh no, he's gonna lose do. A, he, I'm lose not, a wide receiver. No, 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 no. He's gonna do great. But I, I, I think Devontae Adams is a very special receiver. Um. So that's it. But first, before we move on to other stuff, SeatGeek. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the app on our phone. Speaking of tickets, you get whether it's football, concerts, basketball, baseball, festivals, or more, SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. So they mentioned football. You know, we always talk about football, even basketball, concerts, um, snacks. Where do you go? I have a question for you. So I'm, I I want to go to uh, a concert that has, you know, um, Slightly Stupid and Pepper, who are two of uh, bands I really like. They're reggae. I've heard of them. But it's in New Jersey. And I I actually messaged your brother and I was like, do you like reggae? Like, I'm just trying to, I, I need just one person to go to me. Do you, you don't like reggae at all. So I didn't even think about asking you. No. I, I just, do you have like a friend who's into reggae or something? I just, I really want to go to this concert, but I'm not going to go by myself. Where is it? Asbury Park, I think. Oh, yeah. That's right by me. I'll go. I'll, I'll get drawn. All right. Hell yeah. It's right. little, Asbury Park is 10 minutes from me. Okay, cool. We're going. When is it? July 30th. This is Saturday. I should be should be free. Wow. Friends. Damn. All right, cool. Because I really want. You're, I would, hey, you got to remind me. My brother never answered. No, he. I just was like, hey, do you like reggae music? And he's like, I've dabbled and I never responded back. <laughs> Um, Appleton. That so, means that means that means a resounding no. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I, I'm I'm a use promo code Giants to get twenty dollars off your first order when you do that. Seeky rates every ticket from zero to ten to make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on Seeky is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And again, don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code Giants for twenty dollars off tickets at SeatGeek. That's twenty dollars off your first purchase with promo code Giants. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Man, Reagan. did the Devils draft anybody yet? I think so. Yeah. Who did they draft? Um, I'm going to retweet. I'm not this sure, part. but my Rangers group chat said the Devils oh. are going to be really good up the middle. Buckle up, we're on the clock. So the Devils oh. haven't tweeted. I have the the post notifications on. Hmm. Oh, is that why Ethan was talking about NHL insiders today? I don't care about hockey, but I wish I did because their insiders are horrible. The, the, yeah, yeah it's it's very funny. It's very it's very funny to follow. I'm now starting to get why they're bad. They tweet like John Heyman, where they just don't they they say a bunch of words, but it doesn't mean anything. Um, snacks. Speak. Come on. What do you uh? What do you think about the two thousand two to the to the? What do you think about the two thousand two Giants? Um. How about the two thousand twenty two? Let's start with them first. Then we'll talk two thousand two. Yeah. Well, two thousand two broke my heart. Yeah, that's, I don't want to talk about card that. game. Can we never talk about that? Trade junk, and I hope he's dead. Um. Well, I don't hope that. I just hope he's living a miserable life. Um. Anyway, so twenty twenty two. I um. <clears throat> I don't think I've been this happy going into a season um, knowing that we're not going to be competing. At least I don't think so. We may shock some people. I could see that. Um, Define competing. 
Um, I, I like think, competing, competing for what? Well, now that there's, you know, now that 40 teams get into the playoffs, you never know. Uh, I don't think they'll be competing for a division. I think Philly and Dallas are a lot better than them right now, which is understandable. This was, you know, this is, I would say this is, this is a rebuild, but competing game in and game out. Okay. That's fair. Um, I think it's going to take a little while for that, even though the schedule is light. Now here's why. So, what I love is the structure that they've built, the foundation they've built in the front office and the coaching staff. I love, I love Joe. I think we all love Joe Shane. Uh, I thought the Brandon Brown hire was just unbelievable. And I think the, just the overall realignment of the front office and getting out some of the, the parasites that were in there is huge. I loved, I loved coach Dable hiring guys he hasn't worked with. And the past few years we saw coach judge, hire guys that he's just familiar with, comfortable, Jason Garrett aside. Um, so I think I think the coaching is going to take an exponential leap, which I think is huge. And I think um, for a Daniel Jones that needs to have a year to have any semblance of a career as a starting quarterback moving forward, um, this is the right regime to do it. And what they did in the offseason to me with very, very minimal money, as we all know, I felt as though they they improved the offensive line, which obviously, I mean, you could have signed you two Mama Lukes and the yeah. offensive line would have been improved. But they brought in veteran guys who have started many games. They added depth. I would say they signed more offensive linemen than they've signed in the last like six years in one offseason with no cap space. And guys that I think aren't awful and can contribute. I think they solidified two bookends at left and right tackle. They got their they got an edge rusher that is edgy. He's got a personality. He's you know he's he's kind of the swag that we needed. How quick are you going to turn on him though if he doesn't perform? Thibodeau, right yeah. Um, because I have a feeling I have a feeling he could be one of those guys that you turn on him like that. Yeah, so it kind of depends on how I see his post game pressers go, and you know how flamboyant he is. Not, you know, not. I'm saying like how like wild and yeah, yeah, outspoken he is on social media and everything like this, and and that. And if he's just not producing, then yeah, I'm gonna get pissed. But yeah, that, that stuff's was, all good and fun when it's good, and then it's horrible when it's bad. Right. And exactly. edge rushers don't step quick. in and just play really great right away. No, of course not. And I'm not expecting him to be great right away, but I'm also not expecting him to be an absolute dud. Um, but I, I think they, they added, they added smart, good veterans. Um, it's, it's going to rely on health. Like it, Tony, I think is, I, I know how you guys feel about Kadarius Tony. Um, but that's the one guy that I, I'm really looking forward to this year, especially in this offense. Um, I think my favorite, my favorite part of the off season was when they, when they asked Joe Shane and, and Dable, like are you, uh, the, the Tony trade rumors and, and Shane's like, we're not trading Darius Tony. And he like looks at Dable and just like starts laughing. We're, we're not trading. Him. What happened with that? So like, I, I just, I thought that was so That's what I want to know. I want, cause they, they must've done something to get him here. And now that, you know, we saw the clips of during uh, OTAs and everything like that, where, him and to- Shane and Tony are talking like what happened and how did they get him here? 
I, I, I think Dable asked to be on his on his next uh, his next album, and that oh, was sure. that yeah. was that was the deal ceiling. I, I, it's a great question because he's been an, he's been an enigma since the day we drafted him, and he's you know up until these voluntary OTAs he was an enigma too. But he he seems locked in. So whatever they did, they did right. I don't know who got in his ear, but I know they have a lot of smart people in that front office now, and I'm not coaching staff. So I think that's great. I do have a couple of concerns. Yeah, I, I want to um, ask you, what is your number yeah. one concern? And we were talking about it. Yeah, so I, I know uh, I get a lot of flack, or I don't get really a lot of flack because I don't say it a lot. But I genuinely believe the center position is unbelievably important on an offensive line. I think that offensive line, just say in 2007, was never – will never be as good as it was if they didn't have a Sean O'Hara that was just a rock and a leader that was that middle guy, Travis Frederick for the Cowboys, that was so good that he just makes everybody better. The Giants, Feliciano, I, I understand, is probably the center right now, correct? What's behind him? That What is behind him? I, I, there is nothing there. And I know it's such a, it's such a position that, you know – Tyler Linderbaum was one of like the highest graded prospects coming out of college, but he went in the twenties. Like nobody was drafting centers that high and nobody probably ever will. That's why I know my take here is probably blasphemous, but not having a rock solid center is detrimental to me. And I think it'll be detrimental to the line. And especially if that guy goes down and you're throwing in a guy that probably played 30 games at left guard, 40 at right guard, whoever it may be, that's just going to start snapping the ball and there's no chemistry with the quarterback. I think that's a very difficult proposition and I think it's a dangerous one too. So in the coming future, that's something I really want them to address. Um, Bobby, I know you're you're the offensive line expert, so you could probably talk about that better than me and uh, probably disagree with my assessment of the center position. No, but- no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not big on Feliciano. Yeah. Um, but who's the backup? And it's next. Like, we were we were backup? bringing we were talking about that. Just we were getting waffles and ice cream the other night. And I think it's gonna be Ben Bredesen or Max Garcia, which is scary as hell. It's scary as hell. And for I, I think that center quarterback connection is. I think that's what made that ascended Eli. Sean O'Hara was the perfect center for Eli. The leader. He's the leader on the line. He's he's always getting he's, everything. So I, I just. I think not having that that center you can rely on is is very detrimental to an offensive line that I think is going to be very improved. Here's um, something. Speak. Azuda was drafted with their 67th overall. He's going to start eventually, which means Shane Lemieux won't be starting at some point. Um, yes. You know, you got you gave Glinsky the contract. If and when that happens, I would let. I think Shane. <laughs> I haven't given up on on Shane Lemieux. I actually have some hope in in Shane Lemieux. So part of me is like, yeah, I want him to win the left guard job, but also part of me is like, I wish you could fit him in at center somehow um, and play him there. You know, like he did practice, you know, snaps before the combine. He's a seems like a really smart du- uh, or before the draft, he seems like a really smart dude who could pick it up. You know, he's like in love with ball. So I just feel like that could be. The future, you know, that could be, you know, us going into next year, be like Shane Lemieux at center, Azudu at guard, and kind of have your starters set and be like, hey, if we want to upgrade, if, you know, there's a a guy we like in the first or second round, that's what we got. But kind of like, 
I would I would li- I like the idea of going into 2023 with Thomas Azudu, Lemieux, Glowinski, Neil. Do you think any investigative journalism is needed on your behalf right now? No, because he's playing left guard. Fair. So I that's just it's something that it's something that is that's irked me for years that they just I mean they haven't put an emphasis on any of the offensive line. So we I finally had one and he broke his damn leg. Yeah, that's 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 the sad truth. It's amazing how how great Nick Gates was becoming and um I mean I, I love him. I I couldn't feel more for a player I guess of I guess of my lifetime, right? Yeah. I mean Soyber was I was a little young and he wasn't he wasn't really like whatever the case may be, I love Soybert, but Nick Gates, just the way he was blossoming and in, in finding his home at center was just unbelievable. Um but that that's one of my bugaboos. I uh I very much fear the secondary. Um you know, the Logan Ryan cut still doesn't make any sense to me for the cap savings that it was. I know he's kind of a head case and probably, you know, maybe a voice that this new regime didn't want in. I get it, but um, you're taking a strong chance and putting Julian Love next to next to McKinney. I like Aaron Robinson a lot, um, but cornerback two, that's that's a big leap. Uh, I Dory Jackson played really well, but again, that's a guy coming in with with injury concerns. And if we're not getting the pass rush that we're going to need in a, which I know a, a blitz heavy wing, wing deep, we, we're going to get burned a lot. And um, that's my one trepidation about the giants and in, in which I, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to be competing every game um, because I think that secondary is very weak, especially, especially if they start getting hurt. Um, to me, there's not much depth back there and not yet, at least, you know, guys will develop, but um Easy schedule. I Justin, we were saying it last night. Their their schedule really is light. We're gonna beat the they Titans have, week one. Okay. That's probably not gonna happen. We two have, got harder with Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers, even though Baker Mayfield's nothing to write. I agree. Back. It did but get he, harder. Sam Darnold's really, really bad. It's awful. Baker's Baker's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold, which isn't saying much. Um, but week two gets harder. And I, I think it's going to take a little bit for the offensive line to gel, which which scares me because, you know, Daniel Jones year four, he's got a whole new scheme. He's got three, four new starters on the offensive line. Um, so I, I think it's all going to take time, and that's why I, I don't put as much faith into this year. But what I like most is just the direction of where they're going. Yeah. And do you – but do you feel like in order to show that direction, and this is where this is where I am, to show that direction, there's going to have to be stuff on the football field that is different from the last couple of years. It's not just get, correct. front office. They're, they're going to need to score. Yes. They need to score points. Like you have an offensive-minded head coach in Brian Dable who is credited with helping make Josh Allen one of the best quarterbacks in football. You brought in Mike Kafka who just came from the Chiefs team with with Mahomes and scoring all these millions of points and studied behind Andy Reid you got the perfect you get the perfect mixture of both and you you need to score points that's the thing and you it's this team does not lack weapons they may lack those weapons may lack health but they don't lack weapons if those weapons are healthy with an improved offensive line and we're not scoring points I I I don't even I'm not even gonna know what to say well Daniel Jones maybe really just truly 
unfortunately will not be that guy. And that's, that's the main storyline this year. So here's why I have excitement about the offense. Even so again, we go back and look at 2019. It's like, they're the 19th ranked offense. Like, well, that's nothing to celebrate, but it's like, you know what? When Darius Slayton was their wide receiver one, when Nate Solder and Mike Rimmons were their tackles, I think that, and, and you have a rookie QB. I do think that's pretty damn good. They have five games. It's almost it's almost ticker tape parade worthy. Okay, like does Justin Herbert's rookie season really excite you? And does does any well guess what guess where they were ranked uh, his rookie year nineteenth with a better supporting cast. Um, you know, um, so that's why there should be excitement for the offense. It's like you have upgrades at multiple. You have an upgrade at left tackle. You have um, at, at left guard center probably around the same Halapio to feliciano uh downgrade at right guard upgrade at right tackle and then essentially an upgrade at every wide receiver position and i think you can even i'm not going to say tight no i'm, I'm not going to say upgrade at tight end because the tight ends did really well with pat Shermer and evan ingram and evan ingram yeah. had was playing really well that year but what did daniel jones play 12 games his rookie year yeah there were five games where they scored at least 24 points yep and he threw 24 touchdowns in 12 games. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, so, I, so I mean, I, to I, expect, and, to expect that there's going to be, so this was the tweet that I had the other day to expect that there's going to be six games where the giants at least scored 24 points. That's not unreasonable. And that's how you show progress. Yeah, and, I, I agree. And especially pe- go ahead, Bobby. Sorry. Well, people push back and be like, well, yeah, Jones had the touchdowns, but he had the turnovers. It's like, the turnovers were the fumbles that year, you know, and with not having Nate Solder, that should be, that should go down. And and I uh, I did it in 2020, and I know it went down in 2021 as well. But I just didn't just go like, hey, did Dan- Daniel Jones has half as many fumbles? I actually went and looked at it like per uh, per sack and per rushing attempt. Like it was actually like in half. It wasn't just he wasn't getting sacked or he wasn't running, you know, getting hit as many times. Like, he was getting hit and stuff the same amount of times. Obviously, less blindside hits from Nate Solder, which was a huge impact on it. But, again, that's Andrew Thomas. So, um, yeah, is there go, is going back to an aggressive take-a-chance offense give you more risk of turnovers? Yes. But it, interceptions were never, you know, think about, think about from his rookie year. Never Interceptions were never really, really struggled about. There was three yeah. against, uh, against the Patriots. Um, and that game where we had nobody and that defense was great. Remember, no one's Daniel Jones is like the only QB to throw a touchdown versus the Patriots for like yeah. nine weeks of that, that season. That Patriots defense was absurd. And we had nobody playing. And then he had another one touchdown, three interception game. I'm trying to think of what it, of what game that was. I can't think of was it. Was it a Dallas game? Mm, yeah, it was a Dallas game, I think, because I remember he had one at the end of the half. Yeah. On like an arm punt. Um, I, I'm not. Uh, the interceptions don't bother me. And again, like you were saying, Bobby, that's not that's not his his bugaboo either way. I would much rather this offense take those take those steps and being aggressive, getting down the field, opening up, being more creative, taking chances, all these different things. And if he's going to throw interceptions, but he's taking chances on a Galladay, like an Eli did with a Plexico, fine. So be it. I, I'm so like you. You gotta find every single thing you could find in this guy this year. Um, now, Justin, I know we were saying last night. It's, it was a Packers, by the way. Packers. I think it's a. I think it's a fait accompli that unless Daniel Jones absolutely explodes this year, that they are going to be in the market for a quarterback next year. Yeah, 
Yeah. But, the only depressing and, thing about it is the offense is going to be better, but it's going to be how good is Daniel Jones? Exactly. Because he's right. going to be better. He might even be solid, but like after year four, what does solid give you? Yeah. Like, does is he willing to come back on? You know, a, a semi decent contract, or is there another team that doesn't want to draft a QB? It's like you know what? I kind of, I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see. If um, he has, if he has a year where it's say twenty seven touchdowns, fourteen picks, thirty five hundred yards, something something like that, where it's not an awful year, um, in this day and age, the NFL maybe not the best. Like to me, and you're winning game, you win seven eight games, you're not in position to draft one of those guys that everybody thinks is going to be, you know the next uh, quarterbacks, I'm not opposed to a franchise franchise tag and giving him another year in a new system with an offensive line that's going to be even better than it was this year. So, yeah. And again, there's no there's no uh, connection. Obviously, the guy who drafted him, the you know, the coach who was there are right. gone. So there's no. So it, you can. It might not even be the franchise that it could honestly be a one year, fifteen million dollar deal. It could, yeah. That, that's you know, very, it could that's be something like that. Like you yeah. know, what team is going to be falling over head over heels to give him something more than that? Right. Um, you know, so it doesn't have to even be the franchise tag. You could save yourself twelve million yeah. cap or whatever it is. Yeah. All right. No, it's true. And and a lot of a lot of these quarterback positions, I wouldn't say are seem to be set because anything can happen. But when you look around the league, most of the quarterback positions are uh for at least this year and probably next are, are looking pretty tight. Well, teams want to draft a guy. They don't want to sign But and that's and that's exactly yeah. what, and that's what I was exactly what I was gonna say. Unless they're up there in the draft, and that's what they want to do. But all right, Justin, you could sign us off. Yeah, no, I wanna wanna read an ad, and then snacks. I kind of wanna ah. I wanna talk about our tailgates, and then we'll uh oh yeah, Excellent. and then we'll wrap up. Get a, get every, get everybody excited for for uh coming and and meeting us this year. Can't hey wait. you, yeah you got Bush, Kate Bush, you definitely do. And if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped, taking control of your bush is important, and these products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. Your bush is a metaphor for your balls. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code GIANTS for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle, 4th of July, just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped, they're dedicated to helping you up your level of full body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. It includes the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric, this electric trimmer is a Bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shaved hair on loose skin. Thanks to a ceramic blade and advanced skin safe technology, it also has an LED light that allows you to mow the lawn in the dark. So, I want you to go to manscaped.com, get 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code GIANTS. It's time to level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bush whacking tools from Manscaped. Snacks, what lot are we tailgating in every single home game of this giant season? L16, we are right on the curb. We're by the porta potty. Don't worry, they don't stink. Um, we have we got beer. We that got. That should do at the end of the day. Well, at the end of the day, yeah, but everybody should be too drunk enough to, to even smell it. Someone um, on our Instagram messages pointed out that we should tailgate in parking lot W instead of parking lot L. 
True. No, it doesn't and, work. Well, we 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 uh we tailgate in, in between lot L sixteen and L seventeen because that's how many Correct. games we're going to lose this year, right, Snack? Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> we probably lose eighteen. Um, <laughs> but I want a Super Bowl tailgate in lot L, so eventually it'll turn. But yes, yeah, so L sixteen, L seventeen, right in the middle. We're right there. We're on the curb. Um, we we've had a, a we had a great contingency last year, Justin. We met so many great listeners, um, and that are now. Listeners, I mean, we have content creators like Grump and Crank. Those guys are out there. Uh, Danny Bian, Wes, everybody. Art Stapleton has stopped by. Art you Stapleton you never by. know who is going to stop Brandon by. Our London Brandon London by, takes a shot with us. Like it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, and you know, I I can proudly say that we've made we've made friends from from Twitter that come to our tailgates and just enjoy. And uh, it's just great company. We usually roll 30, 40, 50 deep. Um, talking Giants, you guys had an unbelievable tailgate last year for the Eagles game. Um, it was an absolute blast. Uh, but I know every single week we will be out there. We will be blasting music. We will be taking shots. We will be screaming. Well, I'll be screaming. Yeah. Um, it's just it's a, it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's really like second home because however miserable the year is, you can always count from eight o'clock to 1230 or however long you want to stay out there. That is a great time. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, actually getting back to MetLife stadium last year and meeting so many people, um, that was the best part uh, of last year. So uh, I'm really excited to get back there again this year. A um, lot of home games, nine home games this year, nine. which I am super, super pumped for. It's the first time ever. First time ever we've had nine home games during the regular season, you know, and maybe one of these days we'll get a we'll get another one for a home playoff game too. So L sixteen, L seventeen on the curb. Uh, we would love to see you there if you're uh, coming to a Giants game. Please, please come by. And I know there's a lot of people and Pesto's out there, Christopher Pre, all these guys, Buddy. The first time I met Buddy, I've never heard an accent like that in my life. <laughs> I, I was taken aback by it. And some games. Um, and some games. Yeah, what's up, snacks? Um, but yeah, no, G for, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just going to say, like, I, I know a lot of people come out for a game or two from, from out of state, out of country. Ruben, Nick, I know you guys came out. Um, if you do, just please make sure you message. You can message me. My, my DMs are open. Please don't send me any nudes. Um, but we were, you're all more than welcome to come out and uh, enjoy the festivities that are Pankin and Snacks tailgates. So You're welcome to send me nudes if you want. Uh, it depends on the person. True. You know, Nick, he worked with me at Wagrin Enterprises. Really? So that's, that's a, yeah. That's why I, I was that. like shocked to see him. Um, do you even know what Wagrin Enterprises is, Snacks? Not a clue. <laughs> Justin, you don't know what Wagrin Enterprises is, right? I know what Wagrin is, yeah. It was the first uh, company to host the Giants Nation podcast before this was Talking Giants. Oh, that's really that's, that's um, very cool. I didn't know yeah. that. I'm really pumped for Fan Fest. Parking lot G, mm. we're going to do it in the same spot. I think that's going to be um, a lot of fun. It's basically going to be the same thing as last year. Um, you know, Candlewick Diner is going to uh, cater it instead of making our guy Topher Pete just have his whole family cooking for us for two hours. <laughs> um, so Candlewick Diner is going to do that for us. Um. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's How many training camp Back practices are you gonna make it to, Snacks? It's gonna be tough. I'm gonna try to get to at least one. Um, but it's tough. I'm I'm down here. I'm taking off. I'm taking off. Uh, 
I'm not taking off the full day fan fest, but I'm leaving early. So I'm there sufficient time and uh, get ready to roll. All right. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. I think we're going to do our over unders pod. I think we're going to do that with Danny King on Tuesday. I'm not exactly sure yet. I'll, I'll look at last year and, and see what we did. Uh, so we appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Enjoy your weekend until then. Let's go big blue. <laughs>